Welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat, the podcast where we take animals you see every day, animals you've heard of, and animals you didn't know existed, and break them down in a single episode. Our goal as animal lovers is to spread knowledge and awareness about the creatures we share this floating rock with. We hope you learn something new. Hello and welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat. I'm Jack. I'm Julia. And today we have a special episode for you. So today is going to be a double feature. And the reason for this double feature is that the animals that we have chosen to talk about for this week and next week, it turns out there's not a lot of information on them. So because there's not as much information, we still want to talk about them. We still want to uh, put those animals out there for everyone to know about. But we are going to put both of these animals into one episode. And the two animals we will be talking about are the bearded reedling and the kalugo. So we're going to be starting uh, talking about the bearded reedling, uh, which is a type of bird. Uh, some nicknames for it are the bearded tit and the bearded bush tits. Um, and tit is a type of bird that it looks similar to and what people thought it was at first. And then there's also the beer- bearded parrot bill, which is another bird that they thought it uh, was like, but it turns out it's not similar to either of them. And kind of going off what Julia was just talking about, she mentioned how this bird looks like other birds but isn't them. It's not related to them. So it turns out the bearded reedling is actually the only species in its family. It is a very unique bird, and it doesn't really have any close relatives. So this bird is actually found in parts of Europe and Asia, uh, mostly in Western Europe um, and things like Great Britain and also up in the Norwegian area. Uh, But it also kind of spreads across Asia, uh, near the middle of Asia, all the way across. It has some scattered populations there. Uh, But the biggest place that you can find it is in Western Europe. And then as for the type of environment they like to live in, they like to live in a wetland. So as you can see from their name, they're called reedlings. They like to live among reeds, which are found near water areas. Uh, and they prefer a more temperate climate, anything too harsh in either direction. They don't really do too well in. And we'll get more into how they play with their environment as well. So they, pref- like I said, they prefer the temperate area because they do not migrate. The only time we've been see- we have seen them migrating is during extremely harsh winters. Uh, other than that, they like to stay exactly where they're at. And then uh, an interesting thing, there's, an, there's the English population, which is one of the smaller populations. It's about 500 pairs, and it's confined to the south and east uh, in England. So, like we said, this uh, is a bird, and it is actually a relatively small bird. They only get about five inches long with a six to seven inch wingspan, and they weigh about half of an ounce. So, they are very tiny birds. Uh, They all look pretty similar. Uh, They're usually like an orangish-brownish color, uh, with the bill being a yellowy-orange color. And the male and the females do look different. So, the male has a kind of gray-blue head and chest area. And if you can guess by the name Bearded, it does have not even a beard. It actually has a mustache on its face that is black, and it starts around its eyes and goes down the sides of its face. 
And then the female is similar to the male, um, except they are generally paler in color, so kind of a duller in color with their brown color. And they also have no uh, black mustache on their face. So that's how you can tell the difference between the male and the female. So the bearded reedling has a very interesting diet, actually. So in the summertime, it will eat reed aphids, which are little bugs that live amongst the reeds. And then in the winter, it'll eat reed seeds. So these birds are extremely dependent on this reed area, these reed beds. Uh, and it's interesting that they're able to have that very distinct seasonal diet. Um, and it's... Uh, it's to help cope with the different seasonal diets. So, like, in the winter, there are going to be less bugs around, so they have to eat the seeds. In the summer, there's more bugs, so they can eat more bugs. So they're highly adapted to their environment, uh, this very specific environment. And to help them with their change in diet, in the winter, they will eat grit particles. So think almost like tiny rocks. Uh, they will eat them, to, and, like, those will sit in their stomach, and it helps break down the seeds, the seed fibers in their stomach, which makes it easier to digest. So what eats it, we actually don't have a lot of information on. Like we said at the beginning, there's a lot of things that we don't know about this bird. Uh, but just being a smaller bird, we can kind of guess that uh, things that would eat it would be larger birds of prey, snakes, uh, larger rodents, foxes even, uh, things like that. And then another portion that we don't really have a ton of information on is the mating and like child rearing and stuff like that. The only really information that we have on the bearded reedling in terms of uh, having children is they can have up to four broods a year, which broods is like a group of eggs. They can have up to four broods a year with four to eight chicks per brood. So it's one of those where they play a numbers game. A lot of birds uh, will do this, especially a lot of smaller birds. Well, it's, it's a numbers game. It's have, have many to make sure that at least some of them survive. And for communication, they actually are songbirds, so they do make a lot of different noises. Uh, one that is relatively known is they make a characteristic almost pinging noise. Um, if you look up videos of them, there are a couple videos of them making this noise, and they basically, it's just pinging back and forth to each other. Uh, they also do things such as a choo-choo, um, which I'm sure we can imagine for birds, and they also do ticks and chew calls. And then as for population and population size, they are doing pretty good. They're on least concern, so that's the lowest they can be on the IUCN. Uh, there's none uh, huge threats known to them just because they are extremely adaptive and uh, the reed beds are kind of an untouched area for now. So they, there's not a huge amount of threats to them, so their numbers are pretty good. I think I saw somewhere that it's estimated their numbers are between like 3 million and 5 million. So it's, it's a pretty healthy amount that we're guessing is out there. And really the only fun fact that we have on the bearded reedling uh, is that we mentioned that they, uh, you know, their environment is the reed. So as a bird, you can imagine it's kind of hard to hold on to them. So they'll actually do pretty much the splits between reeds where one leg is on one and one leg is on the other. And there's a lot of photos of them doing this. Um, if you look it up, it's probably one of the first photos to pop up. So I would definitely look at it because it's, it's really fun to look at. They look a little silly while they're doing it. And that about wraps up everything we have on the bearded reedling. So now we're going to transition into talking about the Kalugo. So the Kalugo also has a couple nicknames. Uh, one is the Kobago, which is the like local dialect name for it. And then the Flying Lemur. Uh, they can be found in small islands and countries of Southeast Asia. And they are tree-born and they uh, live in tropical forests. 
So we mentioned that one of their nicknames is the flying lemur, um, which is a good way to guess what it looks like, um, but it's actually not related to the lemur at all. So the color of it is like a white, gray, black, brown, pretty muted tones. Uh, and it has short fur that covers the backside of their body. But on the underside of, the body, of, of their body, they have this uh, fleshy material that's brown in color and it's called the patagium. And this connects to the face, the paws, and the tail. And this is what enables them to glide in the air for such a long time. And then as for size, uh, lengthwise, they get about 14 to 16 inches long. So a, a little over a foot long. And then weight, they do not weigh a lot. And this probably helps contribute to their, their ability to glide for such long distances. They only weigh about two to four pounds. And Julia mentioned how good of gliders they are. They are the most capable gliders of all gliding mammals. So most people have probably seen or at least heard of like flying squirrels and stuff like that. Uh, this is what they look similar to and how, how they glide. They all glide in a very similar manner. Um, they, their membrane that they have, the patagium, like Julia was talking about, it helps them glide in the air for distances of up to 650 feet between trees. They have very long and slender arms, uh, both front and rear. Um, and again, this can contributes to their gliding abilities. Um, you know, the wider they are, the more stretched out their webbing is, which helps them glide further. Uh, their heads are relatively small, but they have very large front-focused eyes um, that have excellent binocular vision, and they have very small rounded ears. And as well as the patagium that they have, they also have webbing between their hands and feet, which also probably helps them glide. And then when it comes to climbing creatures, there are skilled and unskilled climbers. Uh, Kalugos are unskilled climbers. Uh, they lack opposable thumbs, which is a really big help uh, to a lot of skilled climbers. So they climb up trees in a series of uh, some slow hops, and they kind of grip into the bark with their small, sharp claws. And the Kalugos are nocturnal. They spend most of the day resting. And then at night, they'll spend most of their time up in the trees foraging uh, while gliding is uh, used to find another foraging tree or it's used to find mates or, marked or protect territory. So they are herbivores. Uh, what they eat are mostly leaves, shoots, flowers, saps, and fruits. Uh, they have a very well-developed stomach and long intestine. Um, and this is capable of extracting certain nutrients from leaves and other fibrous material that other animals can't. And as for the predators that it has, there's only really one known natural predator that it has, and that is the Philippine eagle. Um, and it's actually the Philippine eagle's diet, 90% is Kalugo. And then, like we mentioned at the very beginning, we don't have a ton of information on Kalugos. So one of the areas that we're lacking information is the mating and, like, child-rearing. So as for, like, courtship and pregnancy, we don't have much on. But as for child-rearing, newborn Kalugos are underdeveloped and only weigh about 1.2 ounces. So they are tiny. So they are not marsupial, but the aftercare, so when a newborn is born, is very similar to marsupials. So newborns will spend the first six months of life clinging to their mother's belly and the mother will kind of curl her tail and then fold her patagium into like a warm, secure pouch. So think almost like a kangaroo's pouch. She, she uses the extra skin that she has to kind of make this nice warm pouch to protect and transport the newborn. And the young do not reach maturity until they're about two to three years old. And then as for lifespan, in captivity, they can live up to 15 years. But as of right now, their lifespan in the wild is unknown. 
Now, we already mentioned that they are nocturnal animals. Uh, they're also very shy and solitary animals. Uh, it's kind of one of the things that they only really come together to mate. Um, and in becoming nocturnal animals, they are easily uh, able to hunt and mate without having to worry about any competition within the trees that they live in. And then as for population size, their current population size is unknown, really. So they're listed as least concerned because we think they're all right. But at one point, they were they were listed as vulnerable. And the biggest threats to them are habitat destruction. And then they are also hunted for their meat and fur. And then we do have a couple of fun facts about colugos. Uh, one is that there are just two living species of colugos, one being the Sunda flying lemur and the other being the Philippine flying lemur. Another fun fact is that their incisor teeth are highly distinctive. Um, if you look at pictures of them, they are what is described as comb-like in shape because they have these grooves on the side of their teeth that make it look like a hair comb. And then the last fun fact that we have on them is that uh, we already mentioned that they are, have uh, webbed toes and fingers. Um, and because of this, they were once considered to be close relatives of bats. Uh, but today, their closest relative is actually primates. And we know this because of genetic uh, data that we're able to do now that we couldn't do before. And that wraps up everything we have on the Kalugo. So this episode, we got to talk about both the bearded reading and the Kalugo. Uh, thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. Make sure to tune in next week where we're going to be talking about the Hercules beetle. I'd also like to thank my friend, the musical artist known as Shades, for creating this amazing intro and outro for this podcast. I highly recommend checking out his other work.